White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow, Carlton Fred has put the White Sox ahead. There goes number 400 for Big Fred. Barry takes a perfect game. His second no-hitter. You can't put it on the board. Yeah. Can it go? Grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson. This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey. And the best White Sox talk is on Locked on Socks podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome to episode number 48 of Locked On White Sox. I am your host, Chris Tannehill. Herb Lawrence, once again, if you haven't heard, he was murdered by a drifter outside of a rest stop near Salt Lake City. So yeah, Herb will not be joining us tonight or ever again. No, I'm just kidding. Herb Lawrence will be back with us this week uh, for Locked On White Sox as he is traveling back across country from San Diego via automobile, via, via stagecoach. Herb Lawrence has died of dysentery uh, on the Oregon Trail, ladies and gentlemen. But no, uh, Herb will be back with us momentarily, and I'm looking forward to having him back as we ramp up this week for the return of the daily episodes for Locked On White Sox. We're going to have five episodes a week, and we'll get into more of the structure of the episodes a little bit later on in the week, probably right before the Opening night, uh, Thursday night, we'll tell you how the season's going to go structurally for us uh, if you're looking for us throughout the year on podcasts, and why wouldn't you be? But episode 49 tonight is brought to you by a new sponsor. That's right, our friends at CBDMD. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair Everyone can use a little support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets a bit chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds, like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our Locked On listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. That's right, promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD promo code LOCKEDONMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Thank you very much to our new friends at CBDMD for being a part of the Locked On MLB family. All right, so episode 48, here we are tonight. If you're just a new listener to the podcast, what we do to number the episodes, we use jerseys from White Sox, uh, not even most of them not even legends, but notable White Sox players of yesteryear. And I think number 48 is actually a pretty timely one. You know, there are several options, of course, we could go through here with number 48. You know, I, I look back through the years and uh, Esteban Loaiza for three appearances in 2008 sported the number 48. He, of course, uh, 
serving uh, through year one of a three-year bid uh, for drug trafficking. So there's that. And uh, also number uh, 48 belonging to Hector Noesi, who I will always remember. I think even before the rebuild started, it was 2015, so officially a year before Rick Hahn said the Sox were mired in mediocrity. Hector Noesi started a home opener for the White Sox. And I remember being up in the booth with Chris Ranji, which is the the uh, home radio booth at uh, what was then U.S. Cellular Field. I remember looking at Ranji and be like, this is as low as it's been for a while. Nothing against Hector Noesi, who's actually still in baseball. I believe he's, he's uh, with the Pittsburgh Pirates. But he started a home opener for the White Sox. They had gotten swept by the uh, eventual world champion Kansas City Royals to go 0-3 on the early season and then lost the home opener, making it 0-4 for to start the year. And after that... It was pretty much a wrap for that season. They had a decent rotation up to a certain extent. They had Chris Sale, Jose Quintana. What about Danks? John Danks. And then uh, the back end, uh, not so good. It was Hector Noesi and Mike Pelfrey, big Pelf in 2015. That was a, that was a bad year. So that, that kind of uh, leads us to where we are today. Uh, a couple other notable 48s that I thought were funny. Reimer Liriano in 2017. Now, I thought this guy was going to be like one of those steals of the rebuild, like a guy they get off of, I think it was the Pirates, off their scrap heap, and it was going to be, okay, this guy, Reimer Liriano, he looks like a he looks like a ball player, he can play, and he's going to be uh, in right field for years to come, and they got him for nothing, you know? <laughs> so I thought he was going to be that guy. I think in the rebuild, a lot of us were guilty of that, thinking like this guy here, oh, this guy, he looks like he can play a little bit. Maybe, maybe they can find some value here, and he can stick around. Nope. Reimer Liriano did not stick around, only one season with the White Sox. Then, of course, uh, Joaquin Soria, formerly the Mexicutioner uh, until 2011, that is, when I had to look up to see why he stopped using the moniker the Mexicutioner, which for my money is one of the better nicknames in all of professional sports. But he, uh, being of Mexican descent, Soria, he thought it was too violent. It made people think of of violence and he didn't want that associated with his name he's in his proud mexican heritage so salute to you joaquin soria who they spun off i believe for ryan cordell in in 2018 so logically it leaves us oh how could i forget brian omagroso for two seasons 2012 and 13 shout out to the guy who i always see back when you could go to a baseball game and see a baseball game when there was people there in what we used to call a crowd uh there's a guy who always rocks a brian omagroso authentic jersey who i see at the g-rate once in a while and i don't know if he's a friend or a family member but i tip my hat to you brian omagroso fan we stand you <laughs> so not logically it leaves us to actually someone who could factor in big in 2020 for the white Sox, alex colomay of course the closer for the white Sox. who if the Sox want to have any sort of push for a playoff this year Alex Colomay is going to have to step up and and sort of repeat what he did last year a lot of people have him regressing then the peripherals are not favorable for old Alex but we'll have to wait and see so we're going to call this episode 48 the Alex Colomay episode before we get going tonight I want to send a special shout out to my guy chef Juan Kim congratulations to you buddy he just opened up his newest restaurant which is on 31st street just uh, north of the ballpark uh, just west of Sheffield on 964 West 31st Street. It's called Pizza Fried Chicken Ice Cream. And it's basically next to Maria's Community Bar. Any South Sider knows about Maria's, one of the finer watering holes on the South Side. And that, is, of course, is right next to Kimski, which is 
one of the newer restaurants to open up on the south side. It's been a few years now, but in terms of, you know, you always think about your your old school south side spots that you hit before and after a game, but I think you should definitely be adding Kimski to that list. But just next door to Kimski is pizza, fried chicken, ice cream, and they serve those three things. And it's just, it's an awesome experience. They've got the patio opened up right now. You should check them out if you are in the area. It's a great, great local spot on the south side. And congratulations to Chef Juan Kim, longtime friend of mine. And it just, you love to see people who put their blood, sweat, and tears uh, into the restaurant business and, and you see them thrive and succeed. And overall, just have a great menu overall between pizza fried chicken ice cream and of course kimski so you know if you're in the neighborhood if you're on the south side or even if you're just in chicagoland drive on down to 31st street and check them out uh it's just it's a great time and great food there i had the fried chicken sandwich which for my money gives uh, any fried chicken sandwich i've had a run for their money you'll be talking about that one if we do like the fried chicken sandwich taste test i, I assure you that uh, so, so the Sox played the Cubs tonight in summer camp action, warming up as we get ready to start the regular season. The White Sox win, print the banner, line up the parade, Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turtle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. More on that later as I've got plenty of thoughts about that uh, game that went down tonight at Wrigley Field. But before we get going tonight, I want to talk about Lucas Giolito, who today was officially named the opening day starter for the White Sox. It's a no-brainer for anyone that's followed the team over the last calendar year or so. Lucas, of course, making strides from becoming one of the worst pitchers in baseball in 2018 to a sixth-place runner-up in the Cy Young voting for the American League. So Rick Renteria didn't officially name him the starting pitcher today in his Zoom chat, but he did talk about Lucas a little bit. And no one is better equipped to start the 2020 sprint than Lucas Giolito. Here's what Lucas Giolito did, by the way, last time out against the Minnesota Twins. August 21st, 2019, at Minnesota, Lucas goes nine innings pitch. That's pretty good, right, when you go the entire game? A little selfish, uh, in my opinion. Don't get Colome in there to help out a little bit. So he goes a complete game, three hits, no runs, lowering his ERA to 3.20. I believe that was the lowest it got in 2019, and he earned his 14th victory of the year back in August of 2019. It was one of the most dominant performances by a, a Sox pitcher all season long, only compared to his outing previous uh, at Houston, where he went all nine again in that game too. So a very encouraging, especially when you're going up against the Twins when every game is so important. And looks like he's going to be going up against Jose Barrios, who in 2019 had another solid year, all-star for a second year in a row. But overall in his career, Jose Barrios has just killed the White Sox. He's got an 11-2 record against the Sox with a 2-4-0 ERA in 14 starts. Granted, a lot of those starts were in the sort of rebuild years and in little pre-rebuild year action but yeah he's been pretty good against the White Sox so that's going to be a really good pitching matchup for opening day which is only by the way it's only five days away it's one Uribe days away one Uribe so I'm really looking forward to that and this from stat guru 
Chris Kampka, who, by the way, he and his wife just gave birth to their first child, Matteo Francisco Kampka. He was born shoeless, says Chris, and he shares a birthday with shoeless Joe Jackson. So Chris Kampka, the NBC Sports Chicago stat maven, says this, Lucas Giolito will only be the fourth right-handed White Sox pitcher to start opening day since the year 2000. Those other pitchers, 2007, Jose Contreras. I was at that game, and the, the rumor has it that Jose was uh, served with divorce papers uh, before he went out there that, that day. He gave up seven earned runs uh, to the Indians uh, against CC Sabathia and uh, only lasted one inning. Good for a 63 earned run average to start your year. Uh, not the year for Jose Contreras that that we would have wanted. Uh, 2015, Jeff Samarja, the captain of Attitude, as Hawk said on opening day that day. And we've got two captains. So, you know, you got a captain of a team. You have a captain of industry. We've got two captains of Attitude. Chris Sale <laughs> and Jeff Samarja. Sox lost 10 to 1 that day to the uh, Royals. A shark giving up five earned runs. 2018, James Shields, another right-handed pitcher for the Sox. Uh, Sox won 14-7 that day, and James Shields only gave up four earned runs. And then, of course, Lucas Giolito. So only f- the fourth right-handed pitcher in the last 20 years uh, for the White Sox to go on opening day. So there you go. You can tell that to your, your buddies at work on your next Zoom chat. But Rick Renteria would not name Lucas Giolito the opening day starter on his Zoom chat, but here's what he did say about Lucas Giolito earlier today. All of you, I'm sure, have had conversations with him. He's, he's a very intelligent young man. I think that he's also uh, grown uh, immensely over the last couple of years. He's, he's much more comfortable in his own skin. He, He's always been comfortable with his own skin, but I'm sure that, you know, having success continues to build on that confidence. And I think that, you know, uh, Lord willing, he's going to continue to be able to do some of the things that he's been doing now and and have a a nice, long, you know, um, positive career with the Chicago White Sox, helping us try to do what we want to do moving forward. We had an idea of what uh, Lucas was ultimately going to become. I think it was a tremendous turnaround that all of you saw and some of the changes that he made. And he was able to, you know, start, you know, showing that promise. Um, I think that, as I said before, you know, he understands kind of uh, where he's at. He knows uh, without putting too much on himself that he's got to go out and just execute. I think um, he's come into his own understanding and, and appreciating his ability for consistency um, and you need I mean you're looking for a number one guy you want a guy that's going to be able to you know either keep you in games uh, allow you to stop streaks uh, a guy that has a, a good mix of pitches and a confidence and a, and a demeanor that allows him to be able to overcome uh, many obstacles so um, we hope we expect that uh, he will continue to grow into that role and um, and it'll be nice for everybody to see, I, I hope, uh, over the next few years. Yeah, certainly Rick Renteria, Lucas Giolito, in the best spots that you could possibly be in to start an opening day. He's, he's looked good early this this spring, summer, uh, before the season started. It's so weird just, just talking about uh, preparation for this coming season that begins on Friday, which is kind of amazing to me that it's already uh, happening this Friday. We're going to have real live baseball of consequence. But Giolito, no better guy out there to be out there day one against a division rival. Set the tone. Get that first win against Minnesota at home on a Friday night. 
I can't even say the place will be rocking. You know, the fake crowd noise will be rocking uh, on Friday night at the G-Rate. But here's what Lucas had to say himself about, about what's important to him and how he can achieve success in 2020 and on opening day. Just sticking to my routine, uh, the routine that works for me, the one that I've been developing over the last few years, you know, day in and day out, putting my work in, knowing what I need to accomplish each and every day to prepare myself for my next start. You know, I have it pretty clear cut now. Uh, I know what I have to do each day I come to the field. So it's all about just staying focused and getting it done on a daily basis, putting that good work in. I think there's excitement on our team across the league. The season, it's you know, despite the fact that we're starting so late, uh, it's really creeping up on us here. Uh, summer camp feels like it just blew by, uh, and, and now we're ready to go, and I feel like our team's very prepared to begin this season strong. Lucas Giolito, to me, sounds like an athlete right now that's just on top of his game physically, and more importantly, mentally. He knows everything he has to do to succeed on the mound, and he's going to go out there and do it. He went outside the organization for help, and he grew to understand himself better. He tuned out the noise and focused on what was important for him. That's a great guy to have at the front end of your rotation as you're entering the most important part of your rebuild, which is, of course, the end of it. You know, this is this is going to be the window opening here. It's open now, Sox fans. So this is a great guy to have on the mound for you starting day one against a division rival. I can't wait. I also can't wait to see what other pitches he's mixing in there. He, he talked about how he was working with Yasmani Grandal on some new stuff to his repertoire, the curveball he was working on a bit the other night when I was watching. And it, it'll be interesting to see if he rolls that out on Friday against the Twins. Because as I, as I mentioned in the last podcast that I did solo, the, the idea of Lucas sort of getting better you know, as he ages is, is an interesting prospect for White Sox fans and something I'm looking forward to seeing play out once we get going on Friday. And it's a final from Wrigley. The White Sox topping the Cubs 7-3 to in front of an attendance of zero at Wrigley Field. And I don't like the Cubs. And it's going to be great to me to see our guys come out there and kick some cub ass, I'm telling you right now. And that they did, Hawk, that they did. A lot of things to take away from this game tonight, even though it didn't matter per se. But, you know, as we ramp up here to the real thing on Friday night, there are things that do matter in, in the big picture here and sort of things that we're looking at and how they could play into the regular season. First of all, it was just great to see the game on tonight. It was I, I just love watching baseball on television <laughs> you know I, I miss baseball as I'm sure a lot of you guys and girls do I could feel my blood pressure drop a few points while watching this game on TV sort of on a Sunday night as you're winding down your week and you're getting ready to get back to work tomorrow and just having baseball on in the background you know I was out there grilling a little bit and you know just just you know finishing up with things you got to get ready for the week and just having baseball on in your life that's what i've missed most about baseball is the companionship aspect of it and i know i've talked about it on this podcast before but just having it around as you're doing stuff here i got a chance to listen to the score the cubs broadcast and see how that sounded sounded great no surprise there but just you know as you're driving around running errands just having it there with you and that's the thing that i've missed most about it and i've certainly had this empty void in, in my heart and soul without having baseball around so it was great to see 
Jason Benetti and Steve Stone back together doing a game. I definitely miss their back and forth. You know, they're 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 ball busting already. You know, very early. It's in midseason form, which is good. If you're only going to play 60 games, it's important to be in midseason form already in July. But it was just it was just great to have the game on. I enjoyed it. Broadcast was very very crisp, clean. You know, I loved it. All these games this week. It was just I, I had a great time watching the game on Thursday night, the inter-squad game with the Sox. There was a lot of fun stuff going on there as well. But tonight, it was good to see the Sox go up, up have to travel. Granted, it was only you know, what uh, nine miles north, and but it's good to see them have some real competition. You know, the, the Cubs are playing for things too. Like they've they're trying to tighten some things up. They they threw their opening day starter Kyle Hendricks out there tonight, and he was sharp. Man, I think that's the right decision by their rookie skipper David Ross to have Kyle Hendricks be their opening day starter. He looked very sharp early. That's a guy that you'd love having go out there every fifth day for you and be, you know, sort of be the anchor of your pitching staff. It looks like he's getting better as, as he gets older a little bit. I'm looking forward to a big bounce back year from Kyle Hendricks. That stuff plays. P- mixing pitches, locations, pinpoint accuracy, that stuff's going to play at any level against any team at any time. It's all a matter of staying healthy for him and just taking the ball every fifth day. And, and the guy with his experience and the way he understands the art of pitching, it's going to do some good things for the Cubs this year, I think. That's a good move by David Ross to have him the opening day starter, get as, as many starts as possible. So more to the game itself, how weird was it to see an empty Wrigley Field? I've heard it called by Len Casper an amplifier of emotion, sort of when things go right and when things go wrong. But without the crowd there, it was just very weird. You know, Some parks you get used to it, to seeing it and you expect it, but just seeing an empty Wrigley Field like that was very eerie. It reminded me of one night in 2012. Uh, the Sox were playing the Pirates late in the season. The Pirates were in uh, division contention in th- that year. The Cubs were not. They were in their first year of Theo Epstein's rebuild. The Pirates had to play the game. There was rain. The rain delayed the game about three hours, and they had to play the game. They had to get it in. So I was living at the time, I was living in Old Irving Park, and I had heard that they were going to start this game up at 10 o'clock at night. So I'm like, you know, 10, 15 minutes away by car, a straight shot down down Addison. And I went and I got myself a ticket to that game. And because of noise ordinances, they couldn't play any music. And I don't even, I don't think they had the, the PA on. Uh, if it was, it was very low. But it was sort of the closest thing you're going to see to what you're seeing now where there was none of the extra stuff and the crowd was very sparse because the Cubs were not in contention, but also it was late at night. Most of those people who had tickets that night had went home. But me, being a baseball lover as I am, I went and had myself a beer at 10.30 at night and watched uh, most of the game. It went by pretty quickly, but yeah, that, it was certainly odd to see Wrigley Field in the state that it was tonight, but we're going to have to get used to it. As far as the White Sox lineup goes, there was no Moncada, obviously, he is returning from the coronavirus protocols, and I had, there was speculation today that he was going to try and make his case to be in the lineup tonight as they try to ramp him up for Friday, but he was not in the lineup. Uh, neither was Nick Madrigal uh, early. He wasn't in the starting lineup. Otherwise, it was most of the starters you're going to see throughout the course of the year, and when I say no Madrigal, I think he is going to be uh, there on, on opening night, starting at second base, I believe. Uh, he's, he's had a great summer camp, making lots of contact, doing pretty much exactly what he's been advertised to do. So I think you will see him. So those two guys, Magical Moncada, 
not in the lineup, but everyone else was. Anderson Abreu Grandal. Uh, Abreu, by the way, I like the look. Uh, he sported the no shirt under the jersey and with the jersey unbuttoned uh, the top three or four buttons with his medallion hanging out. And he also was sporting a very nice chin bun. So he had like the goatee going, but he had the little twisty tie around the end of it because it was so long. It reminded me of uh, of WC. And for all you young fans out there, WC was a member of a group called West Side Connection with Mac-10 and Ice Cube. And he had the uh, he had the goatee with, with the three different uh, partitions of, of the goatee uh, in the twisty ties. And of course, he would be seawalking all over the stage. But yeah, there's no seawalking for Jose Abreu. Uh, he did have a base hit early off Kyle Hendricks, which was good to see. Um, Drew Anderson started for the White Sox. Uh, he was definitely disrespecting Melky Cabrera. Sporting the number 53 uh, on his back, but we'll, we'll, we'll let him slide. He gave up a home run to Jason Kipnis early in the first inning. And Drew Anderson is a guy who you may see throughout the course of the year here make a spot start, maybe long relief, uh, you know, sort of in a in a mop-up situation. Uh, he didn't look bad out there. Um, but as far as the things that are really important, all eyes are on Luis Robert at this point. Yesterday, he had two home runs in the inter-squad game. One, he took out to Tomy territory in the shrubbery uh, in center field. And one, he almost hit the concourse in left field uh, on a line shot. He came a couple rows short, but he just looks like he's going to be a thing, man. And I think what we're going to do here uh, throughout the course of the season is we're going to do Locked on Luis, where in our five episodes of Locked on White Sox, we're going to do a special episode dedicated just to tracking the progress, the ups and the downs even of Luis Robert, because he's one of the most highly touted White Sox prospects, certainly I can remember. And he was the number one trending MLB thing tonight <laughs> when you go on Twitter. I don't know if that was regionalized or what, but it said MLB. So Luis Robert trending tonight on Twitter. So he looked a little foolish against Kyle Hendricks. Kyle uh, Hendricks carved him up real nice uh, in the first at bat. A three-pitch strikeout for Robert. Hendricks hit him with curveball, fastball, curveball again and Luis had just like he was not particularly interested in, in seeing any more of that and he's gonna have to get used to that uh, similar to Eloy last year and Moncada the year before him he's gonna have to get used to a heavy dose of breaking balls especially from a veteran pitcher like Kyle Hendricks who was out there he knew exactly what he was doing and he took care of him in short order got him looking at that breaking ball early threw it over got it over for a strike and then high swinging fastball a second and then struck him out with another breaking ball so he's gonna have to get used to that but what was encouraging in his second at bat against Hendricks he fell behind and got himself back into a 2-2 count laid off a high fastball and then he just got jammed a little bit but he muscled one out over Nico Horner's head just over second base solid adjustment there by Robert he was thrown out by Wilson Contreras though who just who just threw a rope out to second base man that guy still one of the top tier defensive catchers in all of baseball and he was very jumpy early on in the game that's how I knew baseball was back when Wilson Contreras is being jumpy back there you know throwing behind the runner at first base you know sort of lots of movement behind home plate but yeah Wilson Contreras he just nailed Luis Robert uh, with a stealing attempt uh, in his second at bat there but as any baseball fan will tell you that's just good baseball because Chesler Cuthbert was in the batter's box so he just wanted Cuthbert to lead off the next inning that's just solid baseball anyone who knows the game will tell you that so that's if you're going to get caught stealing that's where you want to have it happen but in his third at bat 
Luis Robert lined a ground rule double over Ian Happ's head in center field. Got lost in the IV. I got triggered a little bit. I got to be honest. They had me thinking of 1998 when Magli Ordonez hit one into the IV in left field at Wrigley, costing the White Sox the game. Uh, whoever was the uh, left fielder at the time, I remember throwing their hands up um, and saying they couldn't find the ball. And the Sox had a runner that was going to score on that play, but had to send him back to third base because of the ground rule there at Wrigley with the Ivy. And the Sox ended up losing that game. So I thought of that whenever I see that ball going to the Ivy when the Sox are, are playing at Wrigley. But yeah, so we're going to have locked on Luis all season long, tracking the progress of Luis Robert. And I can't remember a player that I've looked forward to more making their debut with the White Sox than Luis Robert. One of the true shames of this season is that we're not going to be able to experience a full 162 games of Luis Robert going through the ups, going through the downs, because he just does something every game for the White Sox that's notable. He just he does something flashy or something that helps the team. It just He's just a specimen out there, man, in center field, and he's, he's already making the pitcher's job so much easier, covering so much ground out there in center field. Other notable things in the White Sox 7-3 victory at Wrigley – Adam Engel taking Kyle Hendricks deep nearly onto Waveland. That was quite a thing. Adam Engel can square one up every now and then. That is, that's a strong kid right there. Who knows? Maybe in this short season, Adam Engel can find some limited opportunities and maximize those opportunities sort of like he did tonight. He's not going to be playing a lot of center field. We know that. But with you know everything so up in the air with, with the health situation, maybe he could find himself in a position where he's playing more than we thought, and maybe things can kind of click for him. You know, he's, he's always brings his glove to the park, but it's the bat that's always been the problem. But if he, when he squares him up, man, he hits him pretty hard. So other encouraging things we saw, Yasmani Grandal with an RBI double in that game. He's, he brought home uh, Andrew Vaughn all the way from first base on the double, and boy, he was just lumbering uh, all the way around to score from first base. He looked like an undercover cop out there. He's sort of like just stocky, a little husky for anyone who used to shop in the husky department when you were a youngster. He just, he just, he's just very stout. So he just, he looked like one of those undercover cops you see that wearing the baseball jersey, like as if we don't know that 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 you're a cop on your way to or from work. He looked like an undercover cop out there scoring, but he but he did score and he did find himself uh, on base again. Is that he got another hit tonight as well? Another encouraging thing: Jimmy Lambert tonight for the White Sox had a couple very strong innings looking good so far for Jimmy Lambert in the in the summer camp rendition of the 2020 season Lambert struck out Javi Baez going one two three right in the middle uh, in the sixth inning and of course Lambert the fifth round pick from 2016 coming off Tommy John surgery you remember the the outbreak of Tommy John surgery uh why did I say it like Tommy like uh like I'm from Boston the Tommy John surgery back in 2019 where everyone on the Sox where they had like a Tommy John pop-up shop and anyone that was around just got Tommy John surgery that was you know Rodon Dane Dunning and Jimmy Lambert but Jimmy Lambert looks strong he could factor in for the Sox this year he's looking really good I'm, I'm pleased of what I've seen from Jimmy Lambert I think we're gonna have a roundtable discussion with our guys over at Future Sox this week so I'm gonna ask them what they like about Jimmy Lambert because so far so good for the fifth round pick from 2016. Nice night for Ross Detweiler tonight. He had four strikeouts and two innings of relief. That's right, Ross Detweiler. Sim 45, white on white, that's fucking Ross. Ross Detweiler. And another odd thing, seeing Josh Fegley. Josh Fegley. That's right, Josh Fegley in a Cubs uniform. Oh, you hate to see it. If this is the new normal, I want no part of it. This is like seeing Joe Namath in the Rams jersey or Michael Jordan in the Wizards jersey. Seeing Josh Fegley in that Cubs uniform 
really just it was an unsettling feeling. So yeah, I don't want to read too much into the White Sox 7-3 victory over the Cubs tonight at Wrigley. It was just good to see them play against some real competition, guys who are playing for jobs and guys who are trying to tighten some things up. It was good to see them show up, and they're hitting. This team is going to hit, I think. I worry about the starting pitching. I worry about the defense a little bit. You saw a little bit of that tonight. But this team is going to hit. And you think in a, in a short season, if your team can hit and you catch fire and maybe you just never quite cool off, you can overcome some of those shortcomings maybe in the bullpen or or defensively. So very encouraging signs early for the White Sox and Edwin Encarnacion the other night with two home runs. That's right. The Parrot was out twice, took the Parrot out for a stroll the other night. He's hitting. I had some worries about him being dormant during this long hiatus of baseball, you know, but apparently he's healthy now. I guess he wasn't healthy during spring, but now he's ready to go. And he's, he had another hit tonight and he looks good early. And I think he might lead your White Sox in home runs this year. If it's not Eloy, it might be Encarnacion. So if if they can just slug their way past opponents, they, they might be able to do that in a short sprint. So the Sox will play the Cubs again at Guaranteed Raid Field this week, and they'll play the Brewers as well as they ramp up to the real thing Friday night against the Twins. Don't forget, tomorrow is the Mailbag Monday edition. If you're listening to this latest tomorrow or if you're listening to this early Monday, later on today we're going to post our Mailbag Monday edition. So if you're if you're getting this late Sunday night, you might be able to still submit your emails to Herb and I. That's LockedOnSocks at gmail.com, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com to hit us up. Ask us anything. Ask us about the White Sox. Ask us about life. Anything you want in our mailbag, anything goes. We kind of just like to let it rip on a Monday and start the week off sort of in a, in a, in a casual way and have a little fun to get the week going. So for my partner, Herb Lawrence, I'm Chris Tannehill. Thank you for listening to Locked On White Sox.